Resist the devil in an unspectacular way. We'll unfold that here in a second. Uh, but James chapter 4, and then we'll, we'll present this as a word of the Lord, and you can say thanks be to God if you're thankful for his word like I am. But let's read starting with verse 7 of James chapter 4. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Now that verse, I'm going to tell you this, that verse will preach, okay? I mean, it just, there's something powerful about those words, and I've lived those words. Resist the devil, and he will flee. That slew-foot serpent, he's under your feet, and resist him in your health. Resist him in your marriage. Resist him in your family. Resist him in the church. Resist him in your business. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now, so I mean, that'll preach, won't it? I mean, it's just something about that. It just gives itself. And, and I'm going I'm to be better at 1045 at that too. I just like this idea of like, let's say it loud enough. Let's say it authoritative enough. And, and if we do that, then the enemy will flee. And there's some truth to that. I mean, I've been in prayer and without me kind of having fun like I just did, I've been in prayer where I've been loud and boisterous and authoritative. And Jesus, the book of Hebrews said that Jesus pray, prayed with loud cries and he also prayed, preached sitting down. I mean, there, we, we know that's appropriate at times, but we, we kind of think that resisting the devil is this big crisis moment. And, and there are times it may be uh, like Joseph when Potiphar's wife, you know, advanced and made sexual advancements towards him. He had to resist the devil right then. And it was a kind of a crisis moment. So sometimes that does happen where we're like, oh, Satan's coming in like a flood right now. Like the scripture says, and I've got to resist him in this moment. But I think most of resisting the devil is not about a crisis moment. It's about cultivating the Holy Spirit's fruits in your life. And so whenever the enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion, he's sneaking around, he's looking for a weakness, he's looking for a chance to advance against you, that as you are cultivating a spiritual life, as you're cultivating the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and you're becoming a person that the Holy Spirit controls, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all of the things that the scripture tells us the Holy Spirit brings. In, when you cultivate those fruits in your life, then when the enemy comes in, you naturally resist him. So yeah, it's okay to say, resist the devil. I mean, that's good and helpful and it's kind of fun. You guys were laughing, but it's better to consistently cultivate the word of God and the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life, and then the devil won't get your life. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So you guys, when you first started hearing the Bible taught and, and preached, you've heard this. This is like the easiest thing to figure out if you're teaching scripture. If you look at verse seven again, the word therefore, okay? So you see the word therefore means there's consequences of what was said earlier. So it's a, because of what was said earlier, now submit to God. Said before we got to verse seven, because those are consequential in why we resist the devil and how we resist the devil. So now let's go to verse one, excuse me, excuse me, uh, verse 13 of James chapter three. 
It says this, who among you is wise and understanding? Now remember, chapter 3, verse 13 comes before chapter 4, verse 7. This is a therefore part. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his words are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. That's our phrase we're going to look at, first of all. Gentleness that comes from wisdom. I want that to set into your hearts for a second. Gentleness that comes with wisdom. How do we resist the devil? Here's my first point today. I'm giving you two points today. Choose the wisdom of gentleness. Choose the wisdom of gentleness. We resist the devil in many, many ways, but one way that is overlooked is being wise and choosing to be gentle. Now, I've been able to fly a lot in my life, and I've been on many descents of a plane, and you feel the plane coming down, and I can start thinking, uh-oh, we're coming in too fast, and this is, this is going to be a rough landing. Nod your head if you've ever been in that situation. You're like, okay, this is, this is coming in way too fast, and you kind of brace yourself, and usually it's just an uncomfortable landing. I've never been in a situation, thankfully, when, when my life was threatened, but it could be. Because if you come, if you land the plane too fast, um, it's either going to be really uncomfortable or in the worst case, it's going to be fatal. Now, almost everyone in here, I know we have some teenagers in here who aren't driving quite yet, but almost everyone in here has probably driven a car or at least you've driven a, uh, a go-kart before. But if you're driving a car and, and you're learning how to drive a car and the red light comes, the timing of how you stop, it takes a while to figure that out. And so you, you, you come to the red light too fast, slam on the brakes, and it just makes everyone uncomfortable. I mean, you got to brace yourself, you get stuck into the seatbelt. And so what causes you to become a good driver? Well, first of all, you got to care to be a good driver, because I've been around some people who don't care. They just think it's cool to be a bad driver. So whatever, okay. Um, you're not wise, but okay, I'll be, that's as mean as I'm going to be. But if you want to actually um, you know, drive a vehicle effectively, experience makes you a good driver. And so when you are experienced, you stop the car with greater care and you're gentle with that. And so I'm going to call you to look at gentleness as a spiritual fruit of the Holy Spirit because the book of Galatians tells us that is the case. And now we're seeing this and the wisdom of gentleness is gonna save you a lot of problems. Okay, so some of you, are not, you don't have a high enough self-esteem to be gentle. I mean, that sounds a little mean, but it's just not. Like some of you just need to be harsh because it makes you feel more, more powerful. So as you become comfortable with who you are, and then you become comfortable with who God's made you, then you're okay to be gentle. It takes confidence to be gentle. Uh, to be harsh and abrasive, that's really quite easy. And, and it's called bullying, and, and if you bully, you find someone weak and you take advantage of that. It's amazing to me how, how men speak to women when they're physically stronger to them, but they wouldn't talk to another man that way. I see that all the time. And, and, and frankly, I've done that before too, and I regret that greatly. So I'm not, I'm not judging you before I've judged myself. It takes great strength to be gentle, and it's a wise thing to do. And so we land the plane 
with care. Because first of all, we care about the consequences. And then we understand that it takes experience to stop the car right. So when you care, that being gentle is important. And then you, then you begin to experiment so that you can become a more gentle person. That, that's, that is something that is a craft that we develop that glorifies the Lord. Now, I want, I want you to hear this line. I like this line, so I'm going to tell you that beforehand because... I want you to like it too. It's not just a nice thing to be gentle. It's a smart thing. So I can say, hey, you guys be gentle because you're nicer when you're gentle. And you're more like Jesus maybe when you're gentle. And you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But actually, you're smart if you're gentle. Um, Because Satan wants to divide. And he's bringing division to every sector of society, starting with the family, starting in the home. And he wants to bring division. And when we're gentle, it prevents a lot, a lot of, a lot of conflict that could happen. So someone asked me some advice just a couple of weeks ago. They said, I have a crucial conversation and I, I need to confront someone in my company and would you pray with me? And I said, yeah, definitely. But can I say something? Because I could tell he was really worked up about this situation. I said, start gentle. Because you can always, you, you can always, you know, be more aggressive later if necessary. Because that is necessary sometimes. But if you start aggressive, you know, you're going to turn them off immediately. You're going to misjudge them immediately. So it's, it's intelligent and it's smart to do that. Um, James, go to verse 17 now. Verse 17 of James chapter 3 expands this thought. But the wisdom from above, not from within, but the wisdom from above, it's pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. This is, th- these scriptures are one of the reasons I don't think American Christians read their Bible very much because we're not really attracted to these qualities in our leaders or in our own lives. And we really follow bombastic, arrogant, mean people and equate it to spiritual authority. And it's not. I already demonstrated to you that, that you can create a culture with your voice. I already demonstrated that opening the sermon. And I didn't even work on that. And so, so we, 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 we need to read scripture and, and compare the spirit of the words to the spirit of scripture. I want to talk to you about boldness because there's been a lot of talk about boldness and I want to talk to you about spiritual boldness. And here's what spiritual boldness is not. Spiritual boldness is not being loud and it's not being aggressive and it's not being opinionated and it's not necessarily telling it like it is. Some of us feel like we're spiritually bold because we're loud, opinionated, and we tell it like it is, and we're aggressive. But if you look at what the scripture says about boldness, boldness is living according to God's word when you're persecuted. Boldness is standing up for the oppressed when it costs you something. And I want to tell you a lot less people are standing up for the oppressed in 2021 than they did in 2020. Because it's not trendy and it's not cool and it's not a hashtag. And and there's a consistency. And and stand up for the oppressed now when it's not cool. Stand up for the oppressed when it costs you something. Stand up for the oppressed when you're not getting social accolades. That's being consistent. 
That's being a William Wilberforce. That's being, uh, you know, someone who has led by decades to bring about change. And so it is, is that that boldness is standing up for truth when it costs you a promotion or standing up for truth when you lose a friend. That's what being bold is. It's not typing something on social media and taking off. It's living something from the core of your being, even if it's consequential. According to Romans chapter one, boldness is sharing the gospel when people are hostile to the truth. And I need more boldness in my life in that area. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So being bold is not just talking loud and aggressively and giving your opinion. Being bold is sharing the message of Jesus Christ when people think that message is silly, when people think that message is irrelevant, when people think the Bible is outdated, but you are not ashamed of the gospel. That's what boldness is. So it could be quiet and it could be loud. It's not the volume of the voice. It is the intensity of the love for God and the loyalty to the scripture and who he is. Let me tell you what boldness is. Holy Spirit boldness. Holy Spirit boldness is facing death for the sake of Jesus. And I'm so grateful that in our country, we don't have to do that. But all around the world today in the year 2021, people are facing death for the sake of Jesus. I'm not looking for that. I don't want that for my kids and I don't want that for you. But if we ever face it, Holy Spirit boldness will help us stand for Jesus despite the consequences. Lord, help us in that. I feel like that some of you have eliminated gentleness in the name of spiritual boldness. Your discourse is harsh and you like to tell people off. And, and, I, and you know, I, I see that, um, well, in all sectors. It's not a guy thing, it's not a girl thing. It's, it's male and female. And I won't expand that any further, so I won't make y'all more mad. But just think about that. If you are a person in that, in that category or you discern that, I just think the Holy Spirit wants your tongue back. The Holy Spirit wants your tongue back. You don't have, to, you don't have the right to say what you want to. You belong to God. You pray before you say it. You think before you talk. You evaluate the consequences before you say something that just feels good to you. And, and guys, it's a battle and I struggle with it too. If you're in that situation, you're like me, are we evil? No, we're not evil. I think we're just unwise. We're not walking in the wisdom that James said in James chapter three, the wisdom of gentleness. The wisdom of gentleness. And man, it, 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 it is something that is a great evaluation. You know the proverb, it's not on the screen, but I want you to hear it. Proverb 15.1, Proverb 15.1. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Proverb 15.1. Hey, listen, if you, if you buy into this gentleness thing, which is a Jesus thing, it's a Holy Spirit thing, your life's gonna improve. I'm trying to help you today. I'm not just trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to push you to a new 
way of thinking because that's where the Holy Spirit's pushing me into a new way of thinking. All right, here's my second point today. It's a long one too. Receive order. And that's really the point. Receive order. If you don't want to write all this down, receive order from the elimination of envy and selfish ambition. Now we're talking about resisting the devil in an unspectacular way. So it's not just about, woo, let's pray against the forces of darkness. I do that and that's good. But it's, it's also about applying scripture to our behavior. And I'm telling you, the scripture will show you right now that if your life is out of order, two of the culprits is envy and selfish ambition. Some of you, your life is out of order and, and you want to bind Satan and bind the enemy and, and, and you want to have a special prayer meeting and, and maybe, you, you, maybe you even want to fast and the Lord's going to show you, no, you just need to quit being a person of envy and you need to lay aside selfish ambition. That's not spectacular, but that's how you resist the devil because that's, that's a vulnerability in our lives. So James chapter three, starting with verse 16. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So find where there is envy and and find where there is selfish ambition and then disorder comes to that family, to that marriage, to that friendship, to that church, to the company, to the sports team, to the band, to the choir. Envy and selfish ambition brings disorder. Spiritual warfare, what we think spiritual warfare is, has its place. And we, we, we should teach more on it. And we do that here. We have special prayer meetings. Um, we pray against evil spirits. I know someone, I discovered that someone covertly during this pandemic time, there may be more than one person. There's one person I know kind of secretly anoints the doors with oil and prays that everyone here would be protected. Isn't, isn't that cool? Like, that's a good thing. I'm not trying to trick you here. That is a good thing. That, 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 that's, that's great and legitimate and needed and necessary. And I, w- and I look forward to teaching you that again. I've taught it before and I'll teach about that and about evil spirits and about resisting that and pleading the blood of Jesus. All that's good, but simultaneously, we have to see how God takes um, our bad habits, and the enemy exposes our bad habits, let's put it that way, and that's the way the enemy attacks us. So, you know, I'll I'll say here that when I came to this church, there, there had been some adultery all through the church. Many, many, many different people had had adultery. So several times through the years, people have said, let's have a special prayer meeting and pray against adultery. Well, that's a good thing to do, but a better thing to do is for those who committed adultery not to be selfish. That's a better thing to do. I don't know if it's the spirits that are making me, you know, break a a, a vow. It's me inside of me, Lord forbid that, but it's, it's, it's an individual who says, I don't want to obey God. And so we, we overlook, because it's not as spectacular, the basics of human behavior because of our cadence and, and 
our use of spiritual vocabulary and our manipulation of, the, of even the, the room, that we can not see the simple obedience is leading us to resisting the devil. Disorder probably doesn't come as much from demonic spirits as it does from envy and selfish ambition. And it happens to all of us. Earlier in my ministry, uh, when social media was coming out, for, for a lot of years, I would not go on social media on Sundays and on Mondays. And here's the reason why. Because I envied other churches. They weren't always bigger churches. Sometimes they were smaller churches that were doing something cooler or if it's possible, the pastor was dressing cooler. I know y'all don't believe that's possible, but <laughs> occasionally that happened. And so this whole thing of, you know, we had 24 people get saved today and, you know, or whatever, you know, record-breaking day or whatever the case is. And, and, and it just wasn't good for me spiritually. It doesn't really bother me as much now, but I'm sure it could. So I'm not unaware of that. So what I did was I just said, I'm not going on social media until Tuesday because my emotions weren't right after a service anyway and all of that. And we were building our ministry and, and I was maturing as a pastor. So I tell all of this is because some of you are struggling with envy and there's disorder in your life. And I could pray for you and lay hands and rebuke the enemy. And we, we will do that because we believe in that. But you probably just need to stop going on social media for a while. So if you go on social media and you envy someone else's travel schedule, if you envy the fact someone else has a friend's group, you know, that if you envy that Someone else has a fitness accomplishment and they've dropped all these pounds or they have these great muscles. If you envy the success of their children, if you envy the size of their house, car, or RV, which I would never envy anyone's RV. Those things look like nightmares to drag around. (laughs) But whatever the case is, Thus saith the Lord God Almighty, who's powerful in heaven. Delete the app, okay? If you're envious of people, delete the app for a, a, a week or a month. If it's disturbing you spiritually and emotional, emotionally, don't go there because envy is a doorway to disorder in your life. You start getting dissatisfied with your house, start getting dissatisfied with your family, start getting dissatisfied with your body, start getting dissatisfied with your career, and then you go from the place of contentment to envy, and disorder comes into your life. The greatest spiritual warfare some of you may have, I know I've said this a couple times, but is resisting the devil by limiting social media. Let's talk about Selfish ambition. I want you to notice that the scripture doesn't say ambition is bad. Ambition, I think we need, in a lot of ways, we need more ambition. We we need people who want to work. We need people who want to be successful in life. We need people who want to put in a good day's work and who wants to climb the career. That's That's important to us as a culture. But it's selfish ambition that brings disorder into your life. And I've dealt with this stuff. The need to get the credit. The need to have your name known. 
the need to be respected, the need to be noticed, that brings disorder to my life. It brings disorder to your life. You can put a good career in and a good day's work and build a good family and build a good marriage and or be a very successful single person because that is a beautiful, beautiful model like the Apostle Paul was to, to us. You can do all of these things for the glory of God. And it takes discipline, it takes maturity, and it takes sermons like this to remind us to do that. Envy and selfish ambition are really bad on their own, but combined together, they're a bad cocktail, man. It's a bad chemistry experience when you have envy and selfish ambition because the envy feeds your selfish ambition. I want what they want and I don't have it. So because I'm ambitious and because I want my name to be known and I want to be respected and all that, then shortcuts are taken and violations of scripture occurs and it's a bad, bad combination. So today we're gonna repent of envy and selfish ambition. We're gonna repent of that today because the work of Jesus on the cross is transformational. This is a gospel application. Because of Jesus, guys, our, our eternity is settled. I'm not interested in convincing you week after week that you're going to hell. That's not what I'm called to do. I'm here to convince you week after week because of Jesus, you're going to heaven. All right? I just... It just irritates me, bad preaching that makes people raise their hand week after week after week. Doubt, doubt, doubt. I'm saying faith, faith, faith. You are a son, you are a daughter. The issue of heaven and hell is settled because of Jesus. Now we have an issue on this planet earth called sanctification. Our earthly purpose is to be in this process of sanctification where we love God more and love the world less. When we are in communion with God and in relationship with God, so then when we cross over to death, it is not something we fear, but it's something we've been prepared for. And so our last breath on earth continues to our first breath in heaven. And it is not a new life, it's an extended life. So sanctification demands us and invites us is a better way to put that. I I take that back. I don't like the word demand. Sanctification in this context. Sanctification invites us to lay down envy and lay down selfish ambition. And And it calls us to lay down harshness and lay down aggressive behavior that we've wrongly identified as spiritual boldness and know that we're bold because we're gospel people standing for scripture, standing for Jesus, standing for truth. And that is where God's inviting us today. Hey, if you're able to, come on, let's stand together. So now you can see I had a five-point sermon. That's why I just gave you two today. I'll give you the other three next week, the Lord willing for that. Jesus paid the price for our harshness, envy, and selfish ambition.
I want to say that again and speak that over you. Jesus paid the price for our harshness, envy, and selfish ambition. And now he calls us to walk in the freedom he provides. And we're going to get better. We're, we're going to get better. We're being sanctified. We're in process. We're in process. I, I think of a time in the last, last two weeks when I was harsher than, than was God's will for me. And, and I repent. I repent of that because I'm just being sanctified. I don't, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but, but we're, being, we're being transformed. Jesus transforms us, the gospel transforms us and he's taking away the envy. He's telling us, lay down the envy, lay down the selfish ambition, lay down the bad habits and let me transform you from within. And so we're gonna believe God for that today. We're gonna believe God, he's gonna do that. And, and I'm so excited about these last few minutes we have planned together because it's time for us to be uh, doers of the word, not hearers only. And I'm gonna ask you to respond to the Lord in some way. You may respond by taking your Bible out and writing in that or making a digital note. Um, if you're watching this from home, you may respond in that manner. Um, we're gonna have communion available and there's, there's individual packets that have the bread and the cup contained together. And those are available to you in the back. Many of you wanna take that option. Uh, be, for, for whatever reason, but that option's available. For those of you who want to take communion here at the front, um, in a moment when we're done praying, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome because that's part of our sanctification process to either go to the elements in the back or to come to the front and to take those when your heart's ready. On a practical instruction, if you come to the front, you'll come down and to, to the middle aisle. One of our pastors will place the bread in your hand. Just put your hand out and they'll present you the body of Christ. Symbolic, but presence is in the symbol. It's not, it, it, presence is in the symbol. Realness is there. If you go to your right, uh, we'll present the individual cups and you can take those individual cups. If you go to your left, uh, you'll have opportunity to take by intention, which is taking the bread and dipping it into the cup. And then just return to the aisle, through the aisle where you go, whether to your right or to your left. Pastor Josh will be to your left and I'll be to your right to pray about any need in your life, okay? So if you, if you need healing in your body, if you need just encouragement, it, we're here for you. We're here for you. And God's moving in you and you need to respond this day and this hour. You know, one of the things we do when we take communion, we do so many things, but Jesus said, take this often as you remember me and proclaim my kingdom is coming. And so, so when you take communion today, one of the things that is happening, you're saying, God, you're coming again. Come, Lord Jesus, in your timing and in your way. Come, Lord Jesus. And we're looking forward to something greater. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in the world to come. And the world to come is breaking into this world, but it is never going to be as great as when Jesus comes again until we meet him. So that's what we're preparing for. Hey, let's pray this prayer together. Say it now, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me in all of the world. Amen.